0: This audio version of Hearts of Purpose by Gail Grace Nordskog has been produced by Reconstructionist Radio and narrated by the hosts of the Monstrous Regiment podcast. Please visit reconstructionistradio.com to access the rest of this audiobook and many more. Chapter 4. Patricia Blanco Steele Founder and President, Women Crowning Glory and Safe Passage Focus. Transforming the Lives of Abused Women and Children transformers. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Romans 12, verse 2. The word of God, the Bible, is alive, and it will transform your way of thinking. I had to discipline my life if I wanted to be a disciple of Christ. It was time for me to lay down all of my plans, relationships, and needs if I was going to find the path that God had for me. Who would ever have believed that Patricia Jean Blanco would one day be married to a minister and would also run women crowned in glory? It can only happen by being transformed from the inside out. Here is how it all began: In the beginning, my mother, Lorraine Mitchell, was only fifteen, young, beautiful, and looking for love to fill her emptiness when she went to a dance hall in Los Angeles and met her first love, Harry A. Blanco. He was twenty years old, and serving in the Navy in the city of Long Beach. Harry and my mother, Lorraine, fell in love immediately. Shortly after that, my mother found out that she was pregnant, and her life was about to change dramatically. Harry took my mother, and eloped to marry her as soon as he knew of her condition. My father was a man of values and integrity, and was a carpenter by trade. He was so proud to have his first daughter, naming me Patricia Jean Blanco. My father cherished his time with me and my mother while working full-time and still serving in the Navy. I was born unexpectedly, but God had a plan for me even before I was formed in my mother's womb. Our family was growing and happy. My mother became pregnant two more times and by age 19 she had three children, Patty, me, Debbie and Butch. I was amazed that my mother was able to raise three children having had no education and no domestic help, yet she had a man who loved her so much and took responsibility to raise his children and take care of his wife and home. The first five years of my life with my father and mother were wonderful. Both of my parents gave their best, but a happy family had to deal with a tragedy that was about to happen. We were on a camping trip with my father's Boy Scout group. I was thrilled to be with everyone at the campgrounds and by the beautiful lake. The evening of the first day, the skies filled with stars, and the weather was perfect for the four men, including my father, to go onto the lake in canoes. They had the crazy idea of playing tug-of-war in the middle of the lake, in total darkness. My father's canoe tipped over. He and his partner were not able to turn the canoe back over, so my father decided to swim back to shore. He never made it back to shore, and the other men had to call the forest rangers to search for his body. In the morning, I saw a group of people in tears looking down at a covered body. I was told not to leave the cabin. My heart was racing, and I began to feel frightened about my father. No one would tell me anything because I was only five years old, and they felt it was not appropriate for me to know just yet. I can remember clearly the tears rolling down my face knowing that my father was gone. "'Why did this happen to my father?' A good man, a man of love and values, how could God take a good person away? Months after my father's death, it was discovered that I had a severe hearing loss, and that I needed special care to continue my schooling. I was put into a school for the deaf and dumb at the age of six. Today they would call this a school for the hearing impaired, but in the 1950s everything was much different, and I was very different too. I was one of the first students to learn to read lips. Most of the children did not like me because I could talk and did not know sign language. I was the oddball in the school and feeling angry about it. After two years of that school, I begged my mother to let me leave it. Being deceived Five years later, my mother got married again. Our stepfather was kind in the beginning, but a few months into the marriage, he became a different person. He started laying down strict rules. "'We were forced to eat foods that we hated "'and were given harsh slaps across our faces "'if we said anything that he didn't like. "'The food was sometimes shoved down our throats. "'Our stepfather treated us as if we were in a military boot camp "'and were preparing for a horrifying battle just ahead. "'There were many tears ahead for the three of us children, "'years of abuse, beatings, intense fear, "'and vomiting of food we were forced to eat. "'Our stepfather was a nightmare.' "'But our mother didn't do anything about it. "'She was too insecure and hopeless "'about her ability to raise her children alone. "'She had been deceived by the enemy "'who intended to destroy us. "'My stepfather began to play a tickle game, "'which led to touching the innocent parts of my body, "'and that gave way to molestation. "'Now I was really in fear of him "'because he would say to me, "'If you tell your mother about this, "'she will leave you and never come back to you. "'That lie convinced me that my mother loved him "'more than she did her own children.' But after one year of steady abuse, I couldn't bear it any longer. I finally mustered up the courage to tell my mother. She was shocked, but she didn't leave him right away. Four years later, she finally did. The damage he did to me, both physically and emotionally, and to my sister and brother, left many deep scars over the years, and they remain to this day. "'You'll never be anybody, you're too stupid,' my stepfather used to say. These were words that continuously rang in my ears and my mind. Rebellion began rising up in my heart. I was going to prove him wrong. My deafness led to a speech impediment, but I was not going to allow either of these setbacks to paralyze me from wanting to show that I could be successful. I had a very close relationship with my grandmother, and she saw something in me that was so profound to her. She never explained it until years later, before she died. She was a praying Catholic, and taught me how to go to God when things are hard, and if there is something I needed or wanted. You are special, my grandmother used to say to me over the years, and those words gave me hope. Those three words got me through all of the tough times of my teenage years. I know that without my grandmother's prayers, I would never have made it through the five years living with my stepfather. God had provided someone to intercede for me, keeping me from being destroyed. A marriage not made in heaven. Looking back, my teenage years were full of chaos. "'People were not sensitive to the feelings of the physically or mentally handicapped at that time. "'I did not want to be labelled as a deaf-and-dumb girl, a common phrase used back then. "'I did not want to be known as one who could not talk right. "'I did not want to be told I would never amount to anything. "'I was on a mission to seek acceptance, but unfortunately in all the wrong places. "'I became a good liar about my speech and hearing impairment. "'I had everyone around me believing that I was a foreigner.' and if I did not hear what they were saying, I would act as if I was not interested in talking to them. Stuck up, they called me. But at night, when I was alone in my bed, I would cry out, Where are you, Daddy? Hoping to find an answer to all my problems. I wanted my real father back. He had loved me, cared for me, and I was his pride and joy. God have mercy, do you even know I exist and that I need you? The traumas of my life were devastating, the traumas of my life were devastating to my health. I developed bleeding ulcers at the age of eighteen. I became sick with hepatitis from the drugs I took to numb all the emotional pain I suffered from the abuse of my stepfather. As I grew older, I was determined to find a new way of life. I made a good living as a waitress, but I still sought answers. Like my mother, I thought the marriage was the answer, but I married the wrong person for the wrong reasons. "'Ron Sherburne was someone I met in a nightclub "'who was fascinated with me and who promised me the world. "'I fell for it because I was naive. "'I became pregnant, but six months into the pregnancy "'my marriage began falling apart. "'Ron was unfaithful and stayed out so many nights "'that I became depressed, "'not wanting to live in my house another day. "'I knew I needed to have my baby "'and then figure out a life for the two of us. "'I had to make a wise decision, "'knowing that single motherhood would be hard.' After my beautiful little girl Shauna was born, Ron and I sold the house and went our separate ways. He was not in the position to be a father to his daughter, as his playboy lifestyle was unpredictable. However, my in-laws loved their grandchild and offered to help raise her while I found a new career and began a new life for myself. My in-laws had the money to see that Shauna received the best education. Her grandparents gave her a lovely family home and all the love that any child would need. It wasn't until later that I realised that Shauna needed her mother. I found a job at a Jack LaLanne health spa within weeks after moving into my new apartment. It was a wonderful career opportunity. I was asked to do a modelling ad for them. I had done some modelling in the past and loved posing in front of the camera. It allowed me to feel beautiful, free and happy. Little did I know that this was a stepping stone to the new career that was about to turn my life around. "'I'm going to be somebody one day. I'll show him.' My stepfather's negative and harassing words still haunted me as I tried hard to be someone. I decided to get an agent and to model on my days off. It was one of my dreams to become a model and to also use my makeup skills for the entertainment industry. About a year later, my boss at Jack LaLanne, Nancy Baker, had some bad news for me. She was giving up the business. Nancy was the first woman I had ever met whom I looked up to. "'She and her daughters would talk about their church in Orange County where they lived. "'They made it sound like it was the most exciting place in town. "'I had never thought of a church as exciting. i had only listened to a priest preaching in another language, "'making me feel like God was mad at me for my mistakes. "'But something touched my heart when I was around Nancy and her daughters. "'They had a true innocence within them that radiated such purity. "'I wished that my life could radiate that glow. "'Nancy sold the health spa.' and moved away to Hawaii, feeling emptiness. My life became very self-centered. I had dreams to fulfill, and goals to accomplish, but no time for my dear little Shauna. She was placed in the hands of my former in-laws for five years. During that time, I was signed up with a modeling agency, and I also received certification from a beauty school as an esthetician and makeup artist. I had many opportunities to travel and meet people in the entertainment industry. I was living the fast-paced life, succeeding moment by moment in the beauty industry and making good money. Hollywood was being good to me, and I felt successful, but I still had the feeling that something was missing in my life. At this point, another man came into my life. Pete was a successful businessman, and had a daughter from his previous marriage. He was my soulmate, or so I thought, and someone with whom my daughter and I could share our lives. I felt that this must be the void that needed to be filled. I felt that I must get back to being a mother and taking care of our two daughters so that my life could be fulfilled. I thought that we could be a happy family, like the family that I never had. Shauna was so happy to have me back. My life became consumed with Pete. He did not want me to work or to have friends or business associates in my life. We had everything we needed and he wanted to travel and keep me busy with him. At first, this was very exciting and adventurous. I missed my friends, and especially those who had a big impact in my career, and I did wonder, why is he being so possessive with me? About two years into this relationship, the emotional abuse began. Pete had convinced me that he was the best thing that could ever happen to Shauna and me. He spent thousands of dollars to keep me in the relationship, even paying for my divorce from my ex-husband. He made me believe that nobody loved me the way he did, but I couldn't keep from wondering if this was love or an obsession. His many threats towards me and Shauna convinced me that it would not be safe to leave. The abuse cycle was occurring in my life again, and now I was reliving the life I had when I was a teenager. I was beginning to feel hopeless again, and now it was my turn to get my daughter and me out of a bad situation. I began to try to think of a plan of escape with Shauna and all of my belongings without Pete knowing. It seemed impossible because I was working for him, and he kept me with him most of the time. We seldom associated with his friends, and definitely not with my friends. He had a good reputation, and everyone admired him for his great success in business. Who would believe that this man is abusing me? One night we finally visited some friends of mine. We were all sitting in the jacuzzi, talking and drinking a lot of wine. Pete became angry with me and took a swing at my face. I immediately put my hands up to protect myself, but he hit the glass of wine in my hand and it shattered into my face. I knew that this was my time to escape from this relationship. I left my friend's house feeling violated and enraged that I had allowed things to get this far. I drove straight to the police station to report what Pete had done to me. Hours later, they picked him up and put him in jail for domestic violence. Next, I checked myself into a hospital to get help for my facial wounds. I had no insurance to show the nurse, but she was very kind and understanding of my situation. As I walked into the emergency room, a doctor was there to greet me. As I told him the whole story, I could sense warmth in my heart that everything was going to be okay. The doctor said to me, Don't worry about your face, I can fix it so that you will never know it was cut by that man's hands. His compassionate words spoke life into me. That doctor did a wonderful job stitching me up, and I never received a bill from him. The stitching left no scar on my face. He was a doctor sent from God. For the first time, I began to imagine that God really did care about me, and that he was drawing me to himself. Searching for God In April 1984, I was desperately searching for what I called a new mission in life. I found myself back in the Jack LaLanne health spa, getting in shape for whatever was going to happen next. As I was exercising, a nice-looking man walked in and sat next to me on a bicycle. There was something different about this man. He began a conversation with me and told me about a Thursday Bible study in a home in Bel-Air. Now this man had me really thinking, A Bible study in a home in Bel-Air? This I have to see. I planned to go and see what this was all about. When Thursday came, I went to the Bible study. As I sat in the group, a deep sense of peace enveloped me. I just listened and observed. I needed to know why these people were so kind and loving with glows on their faces. This was the same glow that I had seen on the faces of Nancy and her daughters. Most of the people there were in entertainment. Alkasha was a born-again Messianic Jew who was big in the entertainment industry. He shared from the Bible. Is this for real? I thought. I wanted to know more and live in this environment daily. I was invited to attend church with these people. It was called The Hiding Place, and it was only three blocks from my apartment in Westwood. It was nothing like the Catholic churches I had attended, but more like a holy night club. At the time, I was very involved in the private nightclubs in Beverly Hills choreographing fashion shows. That was where all the good-looking people I knew went to have fun. The nightlife was my getaway to feel free by dancing and flirting with guys who knew how to dance. It was an escape from reality— But here at the hiding place, I was meeting another man. Jesus seemed alive and well in this place. My beliefs about God were being challenged. I needed to know more about Jesus. My hearing loss made it difficult to hear all of the words that the pastor was preaching, but I started putting bits and pieces together. Meeting my mate. Four months later, I was at a nightclub with a girlfriend. I felt someone staring at me, and when I turned in his direction, our eyes met. "'I became shy. "'I thought to myself, "'He's cute, young, and looks like a playboy. "'No, this is the wrong kind of man for me. "'I am just asking for more heartache.' "'I left my seat, and as I was passing by, "'I saw him motioning for me to come to his table. "'Despite my reluctance, "'and liking the attention he was giving me, "'I went over. "'We exchanged phone numbers that evening, "'and two days later I called him. "'I knew you would call,' he said. "'I laughed, and realized that this man was arrogant.' What did I want with someone like him? Yet, in a short time, I found myself crazy about him. Jim was from Jordan. His family had only been living in the United States for six years when I met him. He had a very thick accent, and he spoke very fast. It was hard for me to understand him, and I found it difficult to read his lips. Jim and I soon found out that we had similar career goals that could complement one another. He was a photographer, and I was a model and makeup artist. I saw a future with him. After dating for six months, Jim was trying to find a way to break up with me, because he never wanted to be tied down to anyone for more than three months. He had his own single-minded goals in life, and marriage was not one of them. He had a list of nevers, never get married, never have children, never have pets, never, never, never. However, Jim decided to stay in our relationship, and together we formed a new business, Steel Productions he was good at photography, and I was good as a makeup artist and stylist. This business gave us a chance to get to know each other better. I knew deep inside that this relationship would not last unless I took him to church to receive Jesus in his heart. I was living in sin with this man, and going to church on Sundays. What kind of Christian was I? In all respects, I was a carnal, selfish, lustful Christian trying to do it my way. "'In addition, my boyfriend Jim was doing it his way "'while also confessing that he knew God. "'Jim and I were in our relationship for three years, "'and every time I went to church, I would be convicted of my sins. "'But Jim, who did not really know the Bible, "'told me that he was raised in the Holy Land by the Greek churches. "'He had served as an usher boy. "'So don't tell me that I do not know God,' he said to me. "'I wanted to get married, but he did not. "'Marriage is just a piece of paper,' he said.' "'God knows we love each other and are committed to one another.' "'Then one day, Jim and I got in a terrible argument. "'He was angry to the point of walking out on me. "'I was finished with trying to make this relationship work, "'and it did not matter to me that he was leaving. "'But something very interesting happened. "'As I sat on the couch, something prompted me to run after him and say, "'Wait, God sent you to me?' "'We both looked at each other dumbfounded and shocked at the words "'that had tumbled out of my mouth.' We both felt the Spirit of God doing something. A few months went by, and I was still miserable in the relationship. I ran to God in tears with an empty heart, and he spoke to me, saying, You must change first. Your sin is a stumbling block to the salvation of Jim. Obey my word. Transformation The time had come for me to make some serious decisions. The church that I had been going to arranged for a camping trip to Mount Baldy, Somehow, I knew that this was going to be a turning point in my life. I had invited Jim, hoping he would go so that he could get saved, but this trip turned out to be for me to experience a miracle of God. To get to the campsite, I had to drive up to the mountains and down through some dark, scary dirt roads. My dear Shauna, now aged ten, and my girlfriend, Nola, were with me, and we all thought we were lost. Little did I know I was about to find treasures out of darkness. We finally arrived around 11 o'clock p.m. I felt like I was in another world. It was a world of peace, love and joy being expressed through the people who were there for this awesome camping experience. The next morning, we were able to see the grounds. Shauna loved sports and she joined a group for volleyball. I enjoyed walking, so I took a hike with a group. As the first day ended and the night was shining with stars, the camp leader gathered everyone together for prayer. The campfire was blazing, and the worship leader was singing some of my favorite songs. The Spirit of God began to move in a mighty way, and the leader of the group surrounded me with a few other Christians to pray for me. For the first time, I felt my heart being filled with love, and I felt healing from all of the hurt from my past and from the relationship I was in with Jim. Shauna and I cried all throughout the last day of camp, knowing that the Holy Spirit had swept our souls clean from all of the emotional abuse we had been through in the past. God brought us closer together to start a new life. My life was being transformed. I was filled with God's Spirit and His power. Darkness could no longer hold me down. Now it was time to head back down the mountain to the big city. As I came home, the first words out of my mouth were, Jim? We can't have sex anymore. I am serving the Lord 100%. He did not say one word to me because he could see that something had changed in me. The glory of the Lord was all over me. Jim moved all of his belongings to the other bedroom and also began thinking about moving out. He kept wondering what had happened to me and whether I had met another man. Taking this first step was the best thing I had ever done in my life, allowing God to lead me his way and to lay down my life for him. I was beginning to be the person that God had created me to be from the beginning of time. He had created me in his likeness, unique and special, as my grandmother had said. God revealed to me during this time that he is my true father, and I am no longer a fatherless child, but a daughter of God. I became a daddy's girl again, crying out, Abba, Father. Galatians 4, verse 6 to 7. Now every night I was in fellowship with strong Christians who were discipled through the word of God. Jim could see that I was happy for the first time in a long time. I was free from all the cares of this world. God had a plan for me, and also a plan for Jim. One month after my camping trip, Jim had a visitation from God, and was taken back in time in a vision to a place where Christ was crucified. In his mind's eye, he saw this man nailed to a cross, and their eyes met for the first time. Jim felt naked before him, and realized that this man on the cross knew everything about him. "'Jim woke up out of his sleep and was troubled by what he saw. "'He went to his dad's house that afternoon "'and found out that he, too, had had a dream. "'The dream was this. "'He saw Jesus in a bright white robe. "'His dad said to Jesus, "'How can I tell people that I have seen you?' "'Jesus then gave him a ring, and there was no other ring like it. "'He took the ring to try it on, but it did not fit. "'Suddenly he woke up from the dream. "'He realized that Jesus had given him a ring that did not fit.' Why would Jesus give him a ring that did not fit? He thought that the ring represented his son Jim, who was not fitted to do God's will. Jim was in awe of his father's dream, and he felt led to go visit his faithful praying aunt, who prayed so much that she actually had dents in her knees. Jim told the dreams to his aunt, and she began to give the meaning. You are persecuting Jesus by living in sin with Trish. You should marry her, for she is a good woman." Jim got upset and told her off and left. He was about to have his life transformed by the power of God, but only in the right timing of God's plan. The next morning Jim asked to go to church with me. I said to him, do it for God, not for me. In the past he would only go to church to satisfy me. Now Jim said, I'm not doing this for you, and he angrily left me to drive himself to church. I got to church before him. The music was playing, and I was focused on the worship and the goodness of God's presence, as Jim walked in and stood next to me. Then the spirit of God hit Jim as he humbled himself and raised his hands up to God. Power flowed through his whole body. God had captured his heart, and life was never the same after that moment. The love of Jesus touched Jim. I was so happy for him. I had done my part by ending our ungodly sexual relationship, and now God was able to take over and bring Jim to himself. Remember, Jim had a list of Nevers, and marriage was one of them. Now, in a short time, we were signed up for premarital classes. Three months later, our wedding was planned in one week. Off to Vegas we went with a few friends. Our immediate family met us there. It was a short and unusual wedding that left me wondering if I had done the right thing. We all have dreams to meet our perfect mate and to have a marriage made in heaven. But that was not the case for us. We had a marriage picked by God with a mate who needed a lot of work. Jim and I had no idea how much work we needed in order to put our past lives under the blood of Jesus and live as a new creation in Christ. God set us up in a big way. The two shall become one flesh, Mark 10, verse 8. I soon found that both Jim and I needed to be healed from our past and our bad habits. God was faithful and did a series of miracles in our life together. The Holy Spirit taught Jim how to read English by reading the Bible every day for months. The Bible was transforming his life and delivering him from all his bad habits. We both knew that if we were going to become one flesh in this marriage, we would have to refine our walk with the Lord. God also restored 70% of my hearing and touched my speech impediment. Jesus also healed my emotional scars from the past abuse in my youth and prior relationships. Jesus ministered to us and we repented over and over. It was his unending grace and forgiveness that helped us to victory. New Life My husband grew so fast in the word of God, reading it daily, eight hours a day. He was now leading and teaching the Bible studies. For three years, we conducted Bible studies where the power of God transformed lives, including ours. We began to sense that God wanted to do more with us, but we were not sure if we were ready for it. Jim had said in the past that he never wanted to marry and never have children, and more nevers that he had forgotten until God spoke to him. I want to bless you with a child. Now is the time. Jim really had to pray about this and come to the realization that his life was not about his desires, but about God's desires. A new chapter in our life was about to begin, and we started planning. My daughter Shauna was finally going to have a sister or brother after seventeen years of hoping. I was 40 years old, and most people felt that was too old to have a child. But I felt that my 40 years were symbolic of leaving the wilderness and entering into the promised land. My pregnancy became one of the greatest stories told. Jim and I were a great team, allowing the Holy Spirit into the birthing of this promise. God was molding us to become one in this new birth. I was able to plan and pray for the child to have the best, completely differently from my first pregnancy. Before Michelle was born, God had given Jim and me dreams and many words about our new baby. In my most profound dream, I saw myself in the hospital bed holding a baby. My husband was standing next to me and holding another baby, so we thought we were going to have twins. Everywhere I went, I saw twins. Jim and I thought that would be wonderful, a double blessing. But when we found out that I was pregnant with only one child, I asked God, Did I miss something in my dream? During those months that I was pregnant, Jim and I had been asked to meet with the district supervisor of the Foursquare International Church. Someone had recommended us to be assistant ministers to a small church that we were attending. As we were talking to the supervisor, the Holy Spirit directed him to a new plan, not to be assistants to the pastors that brought us there, but to be head pastors of our own church. We were in awe. It was time to take our Bible studies into a church building and to pastor people. So there were two births that were about to take place, the baby and the church. Both were birthed in Woodland Hills in the same year, and God said to me, "'Here are your twins. You are holding one baby, Michelle, and Jim is holding the other baby, True Life Ministries. Raising a family and a church. I have so many good memories of my pregnancy and the birthing of our new church. I never thought the day would come for me to be a mother again.' I thought I had so messed up my life that it would be best not to have a family, to remain single, but God began restoring all that was taken from me. Enlarge the place of your tent, and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare, lengthen your cords, and strengthen your stakes, for you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations. Isaiah 54 verse 2-4 to This was from the Lord. Our church had new visitors every week and was growing. Many people came from our Bible study. Most of the visitors became members, and were like children to us. Building the church was like growing a family. Many broken and unsaved people visited for the first time, and needed help. We did our best to lead them into the right path to serve God with all their hearts. Every person was different, and had their own talents to give, whether it was music, teaching, or serving in the church. All were equally important. My husband's zeal and love for God was inspiring to so many people, including me. I could clearly see that he had a deep love for the Lord and wanted to please him in every way. I was his wife, a mother to his daughter, a friend to help him, and now a daughter of the Lord. Jim kept asking me to start a women's Bible study at home, but I was not comfortable with that because of my speech impairment, hearing loss, and lack of biblical knowledge which he had in abundance. Jim and I were praising God when suddenly the Lord spoke to me. I have called you to teach women and to help them. I responded, But I do not speak well enough, and I have no teaching skills. The Lord answered, I will speak through you, and the Holy Spirit will teach. I began to cry like a baby. His words and presence humbled me as I agreed to do it. Women in glory was the name that God gave me for my women's ministry. You shall be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord, and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. Isaiah 62 verse 3 Time to heal the broken-hearted. How was I able to be healed from past years of abuse and disappointment? Many women have asked this question, while many others have buried this question. Some have a miraculous healing, and some take years of counselling. After my own years of abuse, rejection, and ridicule, I had a heart that needed healing of anger, denial, and other wounds. But God delivered me out of them all, and healed my deep wounds, some overnight, others after months and years. Many of you may know the famous scripture, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Luke 4 verse 18-19 It goes on to say, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. We must confess our sins to one another in order to be healed. I speak of the deep wounds that people have been carrying in their heart for years. The Spirit of the Lord is here today and forever to heal the brokenhearted, and to set the captives free from depression, suicide, addiction, and all forms of emotional issues. In this process of getting healed, we must forgive those who have hurt us and put us in bondage. Forgiveness can be the hardest thing for most people because most people find that unforgiveness gives them power to protect their emotions. It is like putting a wall up to protect you from ever getting hurt again. But this wall will hinder you from moving forward to a new life. After wounds are healed through forgiveness, the next important step is to fill that soul with love. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy, love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. First Corinthians 13 verse 4 to 8 Love is the greatest gift of all agape love refers to the unearned love that god has for humanity a love so great that god was willing to send his only son to suffer and die on the cross for all of us are we willing to suffer and die to our flesh for our loved ones the following are some words of wisdom that have brought me peace over the years from 1st corinthians 13 verse 4 to 8 love love suffers long do you know that you have to suffer a long time in order to know love love is kind that may sound easy, but do we show kindness to everyone or just to those we care about? Love does not envy. Envy causes jealousy and destruction. I cannot see how people can mix love and envy. Love does not parade itself. We do not have to brag to others about what we have. Love glows by itself without marching bands. Love does not puff up. A humble heart allows you to receive respect and love. Pride kills everything. Love does not behave rudely. Do not be rude just because you had a bad day. Love does not seek its own. We should always want to help others and inspire them to do well. It is his life you are seeking. Love does not provoke. Don't push my buttons. We're not supposed to have any buttons to push. Get healed. Love thinks no evil. Even your thoughts need to be free from evil. God knows every thought and deed. Love does not rejoice in iniquity. Please be merciful when someone is sick. You might need mercy one day. Love rejoices in the truth. You shall know the truth and it will set you free. Rejoice, and again I say rejoice. Love bears all things. God will never give you more than you can handle. So go with the flow. Love believes all things. Without faith it is impossible to please God. So believe he can do all things for you. Love endures all things. Never give up. God is working behind the scenes. Love never fails. A Leap of Faith So faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10 verse 17 Faith to heal was something that was easy for me to believe in. I saw so many healings and miracles that my faith took root. I did, however, need faith experience in the area of work and employment, both for myself and others. In the first two years of Jim's and my walks with the Lord, Jim was able to be sustained with disability benefits and by savings funds, which allowed him hours and hours reading and learning the word of God. One day Jim said to me, "'God wants me to quit my job.' I said, "'Right before the holidays he wants you to quit?' Jim said that he had asked God the same question. I told him that I wasn't comfortable with that, and besides, he had just gotten his job back six months before. Christmas was only two months away.' Just then, a couple who attended our Bible study came by to tell Jim that God had just spoken to them, and that they were to give us money to start our non-profit corporation, the Kingdom of God on Earth Ministry. Jim and I were awestruck, because that was the confirmation we needed to hear at that moment. God thus enabled Jim to quit his job. Pioneering a church takes much time and dedication to the Word and to minister to the congregation. Often we were uncertain if we would have enough funds to pay for the rental on the church, plus our house rent and bills. God came through for us every month. A Great Faith Christmas Story Every year for Christmas, Jim and I love to express the love of God through the birth of Jesus to our families. Jim came from a family of nine brothers and sisters. I came from a family of five brothers and sisters. Every year we love to go shopping for the holidays and give our families gifts. Neither of our parents had received the Lord, and they felt that we had become too religious for them. At one Christmas, we had no money to shop for gifts for our family members. Two days before Christmas, I was ready to call my mother and tell her that we would not be attending the family Christmas gathering because we had no gifts to bring. I did not want to give my family the opportunity to mock Jesus because he had not provided for me to come with gifts. Wait, put the phone down, said Jim, while I was about to cancel my attendance. Let's pray about this. So I put the phone down and we prayed that God would provide what he wanted us to have. Jim's obedience to the prompting of the Holy Spirit allowed God to do a miracle. There was a knock at the door just 30 minutes after we prayed. Jim answered the door and there was a friend of ours standing outside who said, I was praying this morning to God and I told him I wanted to give out one of my treasures to bless someone for Christmas. And God said to me, go to Jim and Trish's home and give them whatever they need. Our friend opened up a big suitcase full of silver jewellery and said, Take as much as you want for all of your family members and close friends. The more you take, the more I will be blessed. So that Christmas day, Jim and I went to my family's home and shared a love story. I was going to call and cancel because we had no money to buy you all gifts. But God sent a special person to bless you. My family was in awe and some of them even got tears in their eyes because the love of God was there to confirm his word. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believe in him should not perish but have an everlasting life. John 3 verse 16 This was a miracle by the faith of my husband and me just being obedient. Women crowned in glory Beauty is something that begins within every human being. When we express our inner beauty, it will attract favour from people we meet. Out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Matthew 12 verse 34 If your heart is filled with beauty and grace, the outcome will be favourable. One of my favourite books of the Bible is the Book of Esther. Here is the story of one who had favour because she had a special inner beauty that was so attractive and favourable to the king that she became queen. Our king wants to crown us too. I was excited to share this message with other women. It soon came time for me to prepare workshops, women's retreats, and speaking engagements to disciple the first women God gave me. I had women of all ages, from all walks of life, and from different countries. Women Crowned in Glory became an over-eight-year team effort of experts in their field, who had the glory of God flowing out of them to transform lives. Women Crowned in Glory published its own book, entitled The Compelling Life-Changing Stories of Twelve Women. I am a blessed woman to have been able to take part in this book, and to make it a tool for all women to learn how to come to God with their problems, tragedies, sorrows, and victories. Each woman shares how they allowed our Heavenly Father to put their lives back together, to make them a whole person with a new life. I met the women in this book, not by coincidence, but for God's divine purpose for the book. We were once dull stones, but the Master Jesus Christ chose us to be refined through fire that we might be radiant and valuable for His kingdom. True women crowning glory. Women crowned in glory, W-C-I-G. Each letter represents the following. W. Win all women to Jesus Christ, wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Walk worthy of the calling to which we are called. C. Care for all abused women, as good Samaritans. Cover with love, for love covers a multitude of sins. Counsel women that they may have safety and not fall. I. Image of Christ, royalty, beauty and holiness inheritance of abundance that does not fade away, integrity in all things showing ourselves to be a pattern of good works. G, Gifts given to us by the Holy Spirit for the profit of all, garments of white for those who overcome, godliness with contentment is great gain. Safe passage. Then it was time for me to conquer another kingdom, a kingdom of those who are under the sway of the devil. Remember, there are two kingdoms, one, the kingdom of God, and two, the kingdom of darkness, the devil's territory. Now God wanted me to go out of the Christian temple or church and evangelize in the women's shelters and marketplaces. After six months of encountering people who were interested in helping to restore abused women and their children, God sent me a grant writer to help obtain funds to support our new vision, Safe Passage. God took my past abuse and turned it into a victorious testimony— My words had the power to win the hearts of those women who have been abused or are being abused. The shelters invited me to share my story of what God did for me, and I gave him all the glory. It was not offensive to the women who did not know the Lord, but rather a breath of fresh hope and love the mission of safe passage is to share my testimony at local domestic violence shelters so that i may win some of the women there to christ i had to then and still need to today be wise in this transition from the four walls of the church to the shelters i come as one who just like them understands domestic violence and i show them the success rate of our program Safe Passage provides extreme life makeovers from the inside out for abused women and their children, offering restorative health and life skills services called Stepping Stones to a New Life program. These services include safe shelter, counselling, health skills guidance, corrective dental and plastic surgery to remove the scars and damage due to abuse, job resources, follow-up support, and help in finding a new residence with donated furnishings. I must also confess on behalf of the Body of Christ that domestic abuse has been in the church for too long, and we need to stop being in denial about it. Over the years in this ministry of safe passage, I have seen and heard too many stories about abuse in the church, as well as in the world. I could pose many questions to the body of Christ as to why we are not stopping this cycle of abuse. Yet I believe that the solution may be found in the following scripture. Confess your trespasses to one another that you may be healed. James 5 verse 16. This will help to break the cycle. It is God's word. Over 25 years, women crowned in glory and safe passage have successfully transformed the lives of over 300 women who have been victims of domestic violence and abuse. In the past 11 years, I have seen the greatest miracles, including the salvation of every woman who has gone through the program, and seeing women forgive those who abused them and be set free by the power of God who has poured out his love on them. They truly know that God has kept them from being destroyed, for love covers a multitude of sins. 1 Peter 4 verse 8 The Good News And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. Romans 8:28. Jim and I have seen the greatness of God's love and forgiveness in our lives and many others. We look forward to what God holds for us. All of the promises that have been spoken over our life together are in God's hands to complete. Amen and Amen. Patricia Blanco Steele, Founder and President. Women Crowned in Glory. Safe Passage. Safe Passage Lives. Org. This chapter has been narrated by Susanna Roundtree.